The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Well, good morning. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here over Students and Missions, and I am so excited to walk through this text with y'all this morning. It's, uh, it's been a, a fun text to walk through, but it's also a difficult text to walk through. It's a, it can be confusing. Um, it can be misunderstood a lot. It has been taken out of context in many places and used as a bat or a defense at times. And so my prayer for us this morning is that that we wouldn't do any of those things, but that we would rightly handle the word, that we would rightly understand the word, and that as you walk out of these doors this morning, that, that you would walk out encouraged with a right understanding of what does it mean to have the mind of Christ, with a right understanding of what does it mean to live in the Spirit and, and to glorify God in that way. And so let me pray for us this morning as we get started in this text. God, thank you so much for your word that gives us insight. Lord, that you wrote a book for us. God, and thank you for your spirit, which you sent, which, which gives us the means to understand the scriptures. Lord, I pray this morning that you would open our eyes, that you would open our ears, that you would open our heart, Lord, that we might understand what it is you have for us, that we might understand the identity which we have in Christ, and we might live that in a lost and dying world. Lord, would you help us this morning? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to continue in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 6, and we're going to walk through the, the full chapter here, and what Paul is doing is he's continuing his argument, okay? And so he's writing a letter to the Corinthians, to Corinth, to the church there. And so he's writing this letter to them, and, and he's noticed a lot of divisions. He's noticed a lot of fighting, the I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Jesus. Like, he's noticed these divisions, and so he's, now he's like, whoa, 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 this isn't good. And so he's writing this letter, and he's confronting them, but he's confronting the way that they think. Okay, and so this morning, what the scripture I hope does is it's going to confront the way that we think. And it may challenge us in some areas, and I hope it encourages you in other areas. But it's going to challenge the way that we think. That we can't think like the world. We, as Christians, called of God, born again by His Spirit, we can't think like the world. We're different from the world. And so we have to think different from the world. And the world's wisdom doesn't make sense. And our wisdom doesn't make sense to the world. And that's exactly what Paul is getting at here. And he's going to unpack this. And so this morning, I've got three truths about wisdom for us to live by. Okay, so three truths for about wisdom for us to live by. And so let me give you those three points that this argument builds. And and it all comes, I hope, into a tight little bow of understanding at the end. And so they're going to build. So let me give you this first one. True wisdom only comes through the Spirit of God. True wisdom only comes through the Spirit of God. Number two, what we're going to see is that we have received the Spirit of God. That we have received the Spirit of God. And number three, that God's wisdom characterizes those who are spiritual. Say that again. That God's wisdom 
characterizes. It's, it's who you are. It's your character traits. God's wisdom characterizes those who are spiritual. In Job chapter 32, it says this. Job was suffering and Elihu comes and rebukes Job's friends. And, and here's what he says. He says, but it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. It is not old who are wise, nor the age to understand what is right. You know, in, in culture, then, then we say that the age is wisdom, right? The young whippersnappers, the millennials, like, will mature. But just give them some time and a little age. Well, what the scriptures say here is that it's not necessarily age that makes you wise. It's the Spirit of God that makes you wise. And so that's exactly why Paul can say to Timothy, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you for your youth, but rather show yourself an example. Because you're wise in the Spirit, now show yourself an example. And so let's unpack this truth about wisdom. Number one, true wisdom only comes through the Spirit of God. Look at verse 6. It says, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Now, we've got to stop there because this yet connects us to what he previously said. He's like, yet, or but, let me qualify my statement earlier. So let's back up to 4 and 5. Paul has just talked about that his preaching to them, he came in fear, weakness, and in fear, and much trembling. Verse 4, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. He's like, I didn't preach to you with wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He's saying, like, I didn't come to you with the wisdom of the world. I didn't come to you with this, quote-unquote, wisdom. He's like, I came to you with the power of God. But, I do bring wisdom to you. You catch what he's doing? But, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. There is a wisdom from God which is good. Paul's kind of in, it's a little confusing in his argument because he's like, wisdom of the world, wisdom's bad, power of God's good, okay? So I don't want wisdom. But now he's going, but now I do give you wisdom. There is a wisdom from God that's good. Now the whole thing that he's doing here is he's like, yet among the mature, the mature, that's an important word there because in chapter 3, then he's going to say, but y'all are infants, you're not mature. And then in chapter 14, he's like, but the mature, which if you're living as the mature, you'll act like the mature, but y'all are acting like infants, so mature. And so he's building all of this letter. It's so helpful when you read the whole book together that you get this argument. That he's saying, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. There is a maturity that comes in Christ to where you can understand the deeper things of God. Let me say that again. There is a maturity which comes in Christ where you can go deep with the Lord. It's so simple that children can understand it. Yet it's so deep that you can't mind the depths of it. If the Bible's boring to you, you're not digging enough. Because there's treasures, there's jewels, there's depth. As you mine the depths of the scripture, then God will come alive. There's a maturity 
that Paul imparts wisdom to. But then look, he's going to qualify this some more. He says, although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, the wisdom that he imparts is not worldly wisdom. It's not a wisdom of this age. What is the wisdom of this age? What we talked about last week was that the wisdom of this age is centered on self. The wisdom of the world is centered on self. I set in authority over all facts, and I get to judge what is right and good and profitable. That's what the wisdom of the world says. It's all about me, my pride, my self-authenticating, my self-authority. It's all about me. The wisdom of the world is all about me. And so Paul's saying, this wisdom which we do impart to the mature is not a wisdom of this age. It's something different. Because the wisdom of this age is doomed to pass away. Look at what he says. He says, the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. The path of this world will lead you to destruction. There is a wisdom of this world that if you follow it, it will end in doom and destruction. It's not up for argument. The scripture is clear that if you follow the wisdom of this world, it will end in doom and destruction. There is an expiration date to the wisdom of this world. When Jesus returns, expired. The wisdom of this world, like we looked at last week, that then they will be the ones who look foolish. They will be the ones who say, oh, we missed that one. It's doomed to pass away. But, verse 7, we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. I love this verse. Let's unpack it. He says, but, in contrast to the wisdom of the world, we impart, so we're teaching a wisdom that's secret and hidden. Why is it secret and hidden? What does this mean? Is there this lofty, unknowable, unattainable wisdom? No, 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 no. Don't misunderstand it. Remember, he's imparting it. He's telling you the secret. He's telling you the secret and hidden wisdom. What is it? It's Christ crucified, the hope of glory. It's that Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, died on a cross for your sins and my sins, that for those who would believe, they would be saved and reconciled to God. It's that Christ rose from the grave, giving us a hope and a promise of restoration. We sang it in the song. I believe, I believe, I believe. This is the secret and hidden wisdom which God decreed before the ages. So what is he talking about here? It's incredible. I love it. God's plan to send his son, Christ crucified, was decided before the ages before the foundations of the world. The word here has an emphasis on the fact that it was decided beforehand. God decreed or predestined before decreed. He predestined this plan. It's not plan B. Jesus is not plan B. Christ, the personification of God's wisdom, is God's plan of redemption and restoration. What was determined ages ago has been worked out in our present. And catch this, it's for our glory. Did you see that? That 
God decreed it before the ages for our glory. Oh, what a contrast. The wisdom of the world doomed for destruction. The wisdom of God destined for glory. Do you see the contrast? I shared with the med students at a Bible study a couple weeks ago a story about a guy. I don't, I, it's probably a fable. It sounds a little bit like a fable. But a guy was walking through the woods one day and he found a little baby eagle that had fallen out of the nest, right? And so he takes this little baby eagle and he takes it home because he's like, I don't want that baby eagle to die. And so he takes it home and he's got chickens. So he puts it in the chicken pen. And so the eagle grows up with the chickens. Walks around like the chickens. You got this bald eagle walking around like a chicken. Silly looking, right? So a guy comes by one day, he stops by and he sees in his chicken bin, he's like, man, why do, you, why do you have a bald eagle in your chicken coop? He's like, oh, it thinks it's a chicken. It's like, what? He's like, well, I, I picked it up and I raised it with the chickens and so it just thinks it's a chicken. He's like, it's not a chicken. It's an eagle, like this picture of majesty, like soaring on the heights, right? Liberty and freedom in a cage with some chickens. Like, this is silliness. And so this guy was like, no, 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 no. It knows it's an eagle. Like, that's its nature. It knows it's an eagle. He's like, I'm going to... Picks up the eagle like, you're an eagle. Right? Like, clugging around like a chicken. He's like, this is craziness. So he makes it his job that he's going to get this eagle to recognize its identity. That he makes this eagle like, you're an eagle, so he keeps practicing with it. This is who you are. Fly. Soar. You're not a chicken. You eat chickens. Right? Like, you're an eagle. It wasn't living out its identity. And what Paul is saying in this text to these Corinthians is he's like, you who are in Christ are destined for glory. You have the wisdom of God. You're a child of God. You have the mind of Christ is what he's going to say at the end. And you're living like chickens. You're living like the world. You're using the rationale of the world. You're using the mindset of the world. You're using the logic of the world. And he's like, that's destined for doom and destruction. You're destined for glory. Live in your identity. The whole letter of Corinthians, Paul is going to argue this over and over and over. Live who you are. Stop acting like non-spiritual people. You're filled with the Spirit of God. But this wisdom only comes through the Spirit of God. Look at what it says in verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they had understood true wisdom, these people that you exalt as being wise... If they had really been wise, why did they crucify Jesus, is his argument. All of these people that you're so concerned about, their pat on the back, their attaboys, 
They're thinking you're smart and wise. All of these people, they crucified Jesus. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. Why did they not understand? Verse 9, But as it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Because it was hidden, right? It's secret and it's hidden. It's secret and it's hidden wisdom and so they didn't understand it. But as it's written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Catch this. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. The things which the rulers couldn't see, the things which the world can't hear, the things which the mind can't perceive, God's made known. God has made it known. How? Through the Spirit. It's the only way that wisdom comes. True wisdom only comes through the Spirit of God. Look at how he finishes verse 10. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. You don't know what to do in the circumstances? Guess who does? Holy Spirit does. The Spirit does. You don't know what God's up to in this season of life? Guess who does? The Spirit does. The Spirit searches all things. The Spirit knows everything, even the depths of God. Your neighbor doesn't even know what you're thinking right now. That's what his his argument is. He was like, sometimes you don't know what you're thinking, right? But the Spirit knows the depths of God. The Spirit knows exactly what's going on. The third person of the Trinity, fully God. The Spirit knows. So that leaves us in this place of like, okay, so if true wisdom only comes through the Spirit of God, how do I get on that list? Like, how do I get it? Sign me up. Where do I get that? True wisdom only comes through the Spirit. I want to be wise. Where do I get it? Well, look at what Paul says in verse 12. Now we receive... We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Now, a quick aside just on the Holy Spirit here. If you've got an ESV study Bible, great resource for you. It's worth the money. In the back of that, then there's a little systematic that talks about like these doctrines. Incredible. Very understandable. Very usable. Very relatable. Like awesome resource talks about who the Spirit is, what the Spirit does. How does He work? He's the third person of the Trinity. And in John 14, 15, and 16, chapters 14, 15, and 16, go read those this week. They're incredible. Then Jesus actually talks about the Holy Spirit. And He talks about the Holy Spirit like this, that it's better that I leave you. He's talking to His disciples, and and it's been baffling for me because I think if Jesus was right beside me, man, that would be awesome and life would be great. Like, Jesus, just walk with me. I'll be able to ask you questions. And he actually told his disciples, no, 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 no. It's better that I leave you and go to the Father. Because when I go to the Father, I'm going to send the Helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Who won't be God beside you, but will be God in you. It will be 
Christ in you. The Holy Spirit in you, indwelled by God. That ought to wow us. Like, that's unbelievable. That God, who spoke everything into existence, who knows all things, dwells in me? We have received the Holy Spirit. Like, the one who knows all things? Yeah. The one who searched even the depths of God? Yeah. Dwells in you. Now, we, who is the we there? Because that's in a very important we. I want to be included in that, and I hope you do too. Like, am I in that we? Who is the we? Well, it's what we talked about last week, that those who are called, those who are called, call back. There's a call that goes out that says, humble faith, come to the cross. And those who are called, call back. And so how is that done? It's through the preaching of the gospel. And so if you're like, I've never believed in Jesus. I've never trusted in Jesus. I've never put my hope and my faith in Jesus Christ alone for the salvation and the forgiveness of my sins. Here's the call. You just heard it. That's the only way of salvation. It comes through the preaching of the gospel. And those who are called, call back to God, God save me. And they're included in the we. Ephesians chapter 1 says it like this. It says, in him you also... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, who? Jesus. When you believed in Jesus, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you put your faith in Christ, God gives you the gift of the Spirit and seals you. That you have the Spirit of God who knows the depths of God dwelling in you. Are you living that? Are you living like a chicken? That's your identity. Ephesians goes on and says, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. That you're sealed, you're guaranteed, destined for glory. Man, do we live that. That's who we are if you're in Christ. That we have received the Holy Spirit. He goes on and says this. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. That God freely gives them. He gives understanding through the Holy Spirit. The, the job of the Holy Spirit is to help us rightly understand the things of God. He's our helper. He helps us live this life. He helps us navigate the treacherous path of this world that we might honor God in all things for your glory. That we get to share in the glory of God. That we would be little pictures that point the world to the hope and glory of God. And the Holy Spirit helps us, indwells us, that we have received that. Is that how you live? The implication, of course, in these verses is that since the Corinthian believers have the Holy Spirit, who is not of this world, they should stop thinking like this world. Like, it just makes sense, right? Like, you don't have the spirit of the world. Stop! 
You have the Spirit of God. Live like it. Think like it. Act like it. That's who you are. Okay, so we see that true wisdom only comes through the Spirit of God and that we have received the Spirit of God. Those in Christ have received the Spirit of God. So... Now Paul's going to synthesize this whole argument into this very simple contrast, okay? So he's going to give us these two different people, the natural person and the spiritual person. Okay, so he transitions us in verse 13. He says, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Okay, so he says, You don't have the wisdom of the world. You have the Spirit of God. So live like that. We're imparting this in words, taught by human, not taught by human wisdom. We're, we're giving you this. We're imparting this to you. We're telling you the wisdom of God, not with human wisdom. They don't get it. But this is spiritual. It's taught to you by the Spirit. The Spirit is the only one who's truly wise. The Spirit is the only way to have true wisdom. And so he says, here, let me break it down for you. Natural person. If you want to make a little graph, natural person, spiritual person, natural person. Three characteristics of the natural person. Number one, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Okay, let's put that in a positive instead of in a negative. The natural person rejects the things of the Spirit of God. They reject them. They reject them. You want this? No. No. They reject it. Romans 1 tells us this stuff, that they reject it, but they reject the things of the Spirit of God. Now, what Paul is doing in this is that there's two reasons why they reject it. Number one, here's his second point of this, is that the natural person understands the things of God to be folly. Why do they reject it? Because they think it's foolish. Okay, so they reject the wisdom of God because they think it's foolish. That's exactly what we preached last week. Through the foolishness of the cross. The cross is folly to those who are perishing. It's madness, insanity, illogical, crazy people stuff to those who are perishing. They reject it because it's silly. It's like, we might as well be wearing some aluminum foil on our head, right? Like, you people are crazy. That's what the world thinks. Like, you're silly. Foolishness. And they're like, no, I'm not going to believe that. That's, that's like fairy tale fable stuff. Like, Jesus? I mean, good morals, but dying on a cross, raised from the dead? Silly. Born of a virgin? Really? Come on, guys. It's foolishness. To the world. And so they reject it. Number three, the natural person cannot understand spiritual things because they do not have the Spirit. Look at the text he says The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. It's foolish. He is not able to understand them. Inability. 
They reject them because there's an inability to believe them. Is not able to understand them. That's what we talked about last week, that, that how do you get to the cross? Only through the Spirit. Through the calling that ushers out through the preaching of the gospel. The Spirit awakens in you. But he says right here, he's not able. He is not able. That's like me, quantum physics, not able. Not able. Inability. Right? Like, can't do it. The spiritual person rejects the things of God because they are not able to receive them. We go, whoa. They've rejected them. There's an inability to understand spiritual things without the Spirit, and they have an inability to make appropriate judgments about what God is doing in this world. Because they don't have the Spirit, they can't understand the things of the Spirit, and therefore, there's not an ability that they have. They don't have the ability to look at what God's doing in this world and say, oh, that's good or bad. There's an inability there, which is exactly what he's going to go to. Okay, so we've got the natural person. Number one, they... They reject the things of the Spirit. Number two, they understand them to be folly. And number three, they can't understand the spiritual things because they don't have the Spirit. But now we've got the spiritual person. Who is the spiritual person? The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of God so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now this section of text describing the spiritual person has been robbed of its context so much throughout church history and used as a defense or as a bat and caused so much damage and hurt. And so let's not do that. So pay close attention. We've got to remember the context of this. That number one, the spiritual person judges all things. Exactly what it says. The spiritual person judges all things. Now the word judges there can mean examines. That the spiritual person examines all things. Have you ever seen those red and blue 3D glasses? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now they're just black rimmed glasses when you go to the movie theater. If you don't have those and you go into a movie theater or you look at that whatever it is that they sent you in the mail that has those glasses as a promo, right? Whatever it is, you look at that image or you look at the movie and you're like, whoa, this thing's jacked up. Like this, this image is messed up. Guess what? When we look at the world without the lens, without the glasses of the spirit, we're like, man, this place is messed up. It's messed up. And the world has tried to make logic out of it. They've tried to. But they can't understand it because they don't have the glasses. They don't have the lens. They don't have the spirit who allows them to examine all things. Now follow the logic. We've got to pull back up to verse 10 for what Paul says. He says, these things God has revealed to us through the spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Okay, so if the Spirit searches everything and knows everything and knows even the depths of God, and now we have the Spirit dwelling inside of us, living inside of us as believers, then that is why Paul says, now, as Spirit-dwelt people, you can look at the world and examine all things. 
because of the Spirit, not because you're geniuses. We talked about that last week. He didn't pick the wise and lofty and noble. No, because of the Spirit of God in you. It points to the grace of God that he would give us the gift of the Spirit. And so he says, you can examine all things. Now, what is Paul talking about? Is this saying, hey, all of us, let's go buy lottery tickets and we'll just ask the Spirit to tell us what the lotto number is. No, that's not what he's talking about. You can't examine all things and be like, oh yeah, Spirit's going to tell me what to win. Don't take it out of its context. The Spirit is indwelling us and telling us about all things concerning Christ. Concerning Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Spirit indwells us and allows us to examine all things of the working of God in the lives of people that don't despair. God is at work. Don't give up hope. God can redeem and restore. Maybe it's a coworker, family member, a friend. Their life is in shambles. And you look at it and you're like, God's pulling them in. They're like, how in the world? All this bad stuff's going on. Why would God allow this? Oh, God's drawing you to himself. How can you even say that? The Spirit of God. Right? That makes sense of a world that has calamity and destruction, that sees the world success, that sees the wisdom of the world and what looks like is prospering. Oh, it's the Spirit of God that that lets us rightly view the world we live in, right? That helps us to examine all things pertaining to the work of salvation, pertaining to matters formerly hidden in God, but now revealed to us through the Spirit. That you go back and you read the Old Testament and you were like, how did these people miss it so bad? It's like, the Spirit of God has given you the lens in which you can read it and see Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus was walking with the disciples and walking with these crowds of people, and it's like, how did they miss this? He just did a miracle in front of them, and they were like, yeah, he's probably not the Savior. Like, what? How did they miss it? They didn't have the lens. They didn't have the Spirit dwelling in them. Like, that's what's so powerful about the fact that Jesus said, I'm going and I'm sending the helper who will dwell in you. That as spiritual people, through the spirit, we have a lens in which we can judge all things. Okay, number two, he says that spiritual people judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. The spiritual person is to be judged by no one. Now, again, taking this verse out of context, this verse has become justification for bad theology and a lot of hurt in the church. There's some who consider themselves so full of the Spirit in such a way as to be beyond discipline or the counsel of others. Like, Spirit told me, you can't, you can't tell me. You can't tell me that's not wise. You can't tell me that that's foolish. You can't tell me that that's not in line with the scripture. I heard it straight from God. Heard it straight through the Spirit. Spirit told me this. That's dangerous grounds. But catch this. 
Such a reading of the text is quite unfortunate since these people are usually among the most needing of such discipline or discipleship or correction. And the irony of it is this is exactly what Paul is doing to the Corinthians. He's looking at their actions and their words and he's judging them to say that's not in a line with what spiritual people do. There's so much irony in that, that they would rob this of the exact meaning of what Paul is using it for. You're not in the line with the Spirit. Can't judge me. I heard it from the Spirit. What? He says, so what does this mean? If it's not, nobody can tell me what to do because I just talk straight with the Spirit. What does this mean? Well, here's what it means. It simply means that the person who belongs to this age is not in a position to judge as foolish the person who belongs to the age to come. Here's another way to say it. The profane person, the worldly person, the lost person, cannot understand holiness. But the holy person can well understand the depths of evil. There is an inability. It's like a a one-way mirror, right? Or a two-way mirror, whatever they're called. Like, you ever seen those? Like, you can see out, but they can't see in. When you have the lens of Christ, when you have the dwelling of the Spirit, when you have received the Spirit, you can see out. You can judge all things. But all that the natural person sees is their own reflection. They can't see it. Therefore, they can't judge what they can't see. So he says, so you can't judge. Therefore, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself judged by no one. The world can't judge him because the world can't understand what they're even judging. They don't even know it. They can't see it. There's an inability to understand because it's spiritual. It goes on, verse 16, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Paul is picking up these places and he's going to use this again in chapter 4 and he's going to use it again later about this judging. And he's going to further explain what it means that the world can't judge you. And Paul in chapter 4 says, I don't even judge myself. I don't think I have any problems or any sin, but that doesn't mean I'm free. God is the ultimate judge. God judges all of us. But the world can't judge you and say, hey, you're foolish. Because they can't even understand spiritual things. Third, he says that the spiritual person has the mind of Christ. So the spiritual person judges all things. The spiritual person is to be judged by no one, meaning the world. And then third, the spiritual person has the mind of Christ. So he concludes that they, they can't be judged by saying, we have the mind of Christ. It's a different mind than the mind of the world. Now catch this. This is so important because this is where his whole argument has led to. You have the mind of Christ. North Ferry Community Church, those of you who have been called in God, who have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? Sounds like some good churchy language, right? Like, you got the mind of Christ. You're like, cool. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? 
It means that you can now think as Jesus thought. You can now see the world as Jesus did. That you see situations and circumstances in the same way that Christ did. That he looked out at the people and he saw them that they were lost sheep without a shepherd. You have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ and should think as Christ. There's no area of our life that's exempt from this. So what does that mean? Do you think with the mind of Christ at school? At school. Do you think with the mind of Christ? Or are you living like a chicken? You're not supposed to look like the world. You have a different identity. Do you think with the mind of Christ in dating? It's not off limits. You have the mind of Christ. You have the lens of Christ. You don't see dating like the world does. It's different. Do you have the mind of Christ in your marriage? Do you have the mind of Christ in your business? Man, that's a big one. How do you make your decisions in your business? Is it the way of the world? Don't forget, that's doomed for destruction. Or is it with the Spirit of God? Destined for glory. Man, what a way to live. Do you have the mind of Christ in your finances? Do you have the mind of Christ in your pleasures? Do you have the mind of Christ in your emotions? Do you have the mind of Christ in your anger? Do you have the mind of Christ in your forgiveness? Do you have the mind of Christ in your parenting? Do you have the mind of Christ in your driving? You see, there's no area of our life that's off limits from what Paul has just told us, that we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that we have received the Spirit of God, that we have the mind of Christ, that things which I could not see, ear could not hear, mind could not understand, you now can understand because of the Spirit, and every area of your life is affected. There is nothing that doesn't come under the umbrella of having the mind of Christ. You can't, well, I'm in the mind of Christ here, but I got this little drawer that's still the world. Paul's saying, no, that's the mind of this world and it's destined for destruction and that's not who you are. Corinthians, that's not who you are. Stop seeking after this human wisdom because that just leads to destruction. Seek after the mind of God. To know him, to live for him, to point others to him. Yeah, guess what? When you live that way, the world's going to think you're foolish. It's okay. It's so tempting for me to want the approval of the world, right? So tempting. And yet I know in the scriptures that, that Jesus was like, hey, if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you guys. Hey, if they crucified our Savior, why do we think we're any different? If they call him a liar and a lunatic, why do they think they're going to be like, hey, you're a pretty smart guy. Our Savior? We think we're wiser than Him? Better looking, better off, better... No. 
we have the mind of Christ and can live it out. And the funny thing is, when we live like the world, it's destined for doom and destruction. But when we live in the Spirit, destined for glory. We're not chickens. We're eagles. God has called us his children, and he's given us his spirit that we might live it out in this world. Let's do that this week. As we walk out these doors, live in the mind of Christ. It's who you are. You have the spirit of God in you. Let's live it out. Let me pray. God, we thank you for your word that challenges us. So tempting, so easy for us to fall into the wisdom of the world, to start thinking like the world, to start acting like the world, to start thinking that the world makes sense in its own wisdom, its own logic. God, thank you for your word that tells us that that wisdom is destined for doom and destruction. God, thank you that you call out to us that for any who would believe, you offer salvation through your son, Jesus Christ, to all. That you loved us so much that you sent him to pay for our sins, to restore and redeem us. If we would just call out in faith, God, and then you give us your spirit. Fully God, dwelling in us to help us understand the things which you've called us to. To give us a lens in which we can walk the treacherous road of this world. And still honor you and glorify you. Still point others to who you are. God, I pray that we would be a church that lives like that. Lord, that in Shreveport, in Bossier, in the surrounding areas where, where all of our members go for work, even around the globe. God, that as we live this out with the mind of Christ, God, that you would transform people around us. That as we live this out in the preaching of the gospel, that you would draw others to yourself. For your glory and our glory, that we would share in that glory of yours. You destined us for it. Lord, help us to live it out. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.